Hello and welcome to a special Comics Pals review. Today, we are here to talk about Marvel's Eternals film. I am Sean and I am joined today by Pete. Hello, eternally. Marco. Hello, uh, also eternally. Kale. Hello. Regretfully. <laughs> wow, Sean, we got an actual eternal. Look, look at this guy. He's fucking ancient. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Sean, you didn't tell us you were going to get a guest for this week. This is incredible. I wanted it to be a surprise. We are joined by Icalis. <laughs> what? That's your name. In, no, in it's Cam. Icalis. Icalis? No, it's Cam. Icalus. Oh, right. no, oh. no, I, uh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, we're going to be talking about the film. Uh, if you are new to us, uh, first of all, thank you for joining us. We're the Comics Pals. We do uh, a show every single week where we're talking about the characters you love and all the places you can find them. That's our main show, which drops every single Monday. Go check that out. Um, this week, we talked about Images Union. We talked about the Morbius trailer. Cool stuff over there. Um, but I want to make sure that you guys know that we do a spoiler-free section and a full spoiler section. So if you're just looking for our quick takes, Stick around. We will have those for you guys. But if you want the meaty conversation, uh, you should also stick around because we're going to do that, too. Before, though, we have to do what we always do, which is play the Rotten Tomatoes game where you guys oh, no. have to guess the uh, critic score, the tomato meter and the audience score. Now, I must say it's pretty well known that this movie was received poorly upon release by critics. But don't let that inform you because things can change now that the movie is officially out and everybody's had the chance to see it. So with that being said, who wants to take the first shot? I got you. Here it is. <clears throat> Ready? Critics yeah. 53, audiences 71. Okay. Mm. Interesting. I'm going to say critics 50. Audiences I think audiences are going to like this because they're idiots. 85. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to say, I think critical reviews are probably, are they lower or higher? They're lower. They're lower now. I bet. than when I last looked, which was, I think, 50 something or is a 50 so i'm gonna guess like 49 uh -huh. <laughs> that feels safe uh and then for the audience i think it's gonna be higher as well um would you guys say I'm trying to be strategic here marco said yeah. 71 kill said 85 i think 85 is too high i'm gonna say 80 and split the difference <laughs> okay well, the actual audience score is a 48% tomato Ooh, meter. Son of a bitch! So you all went over on that. Wait, audience it, score? I'm sorry, critic score. If oh, I, I yeah. Fuck. Critic okay. score. Okay, okay. <laughs> critic Damn, score. You scared me yeah. for a second. I was like, holy shit. Sorry. Critic score is a 48. And then the audience score is actually an 84. So by that oh, metric, wow. I think I win. Well, Pete would win. Yeah. Yes. It's close without going over. God yes. damn it. I, Hair shy. Mm hmm. Yeah. Damn. I can't so. believe I went one fucking number over. That's so annoying. <laughs> and then it's worth pointing out that the, num the number, the score is actually flipped. Like 
critics, 84 audience, you know? Oh, huh. Yeah. That's cool. There you yeah. go. It's an anagram. So, <laughs> right? Um, and, and yeah. Uh, if you're curious, that's based on 289 reviews from critics and 2,500 plus verified ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. So let's jump into our spoiler free thoughts on Eternals. This is the Chloe Zhao epic that sort of, I would say, probably is the launch pad for uh, phase four of the MCU. Obviously, we've had Shang-Chi and Black Widow, but Black Widow takes place in the past, and Shang-Chi was more, more of a personal story um, that didn't seem like it has immediate implications for the rest of the MCU, whereas I think even without any type of spoilers, it's pretty easy to see why this movie would. Sure. Um, so with that being said, uh, let's talk about it. Who's up first with their uh, their spoiler-free takes? Can Sean go first? Yeah. Oh, I, w- I want to hear what you think. So... My thoughts on this movie, I'm going to say this up front. I came into this movie expecting to really, really, really dislike it. Uh, I have been on that train since the second we saw any footage. I just thought it looked not bad, but just not for me. It didn't look like a Marvel movie, and um, I just wasn't feeling it. It it just has a weird vibe. And um, a lot of that is still true, but Mm. I didn't hate it. I actually enjoyed it. Yes! Um, oh, my God. <laughs> I was hoping you might. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm, My feelings about it are more complicated than they are, like, negative or positive. Yes. Just because there's so much going on and a lot of it I liked, but a lot of it I didn't. Uh, first of all, I want to say that the cast, the, the, the acting was tremendous. I have never gone to see an Angelina Jolie movie before in my life. And I found myself enraptured every time she was on screen. She's beautiful. We know that. But just I, I, I thought she did a great job. Kale's making faces and that's OK. But um, this is my time. I'm going first today. Kale, hey, look. Okay? Hey, yeah, that's why I'm not arguing. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought she did a great job. I also like Richard Madden. Um, I, I enjoyed his performance. Um, and then I also my probably my favorite character uh, other than uh, Fina, played by Angelina Jolie, just because she's perfect, was um, Sprite by Leah McHugh. I loved Sprite in the comics. I loved her in the movie. Um, fantastic. So I think the cast did a really good job. Um, I think there were some problems with some of the performances at times, but for me, the good outweighed the bad. Uh, it also looks great, but it doesn't look like a Marvel movie. And that made it feel a bit disjointed from what we're typically used to. I also didn't think that there were too many like cheery moments. Uh, there was one moment in particular where the audience, uh, you know, was was excited and into it. But other than that, it was a very um, kind of like low key experience. And I was surprised okay. by that. Ugh. <laughs> um and I think that the the movie's biggest problems have to do with the fact that I don't know fully if it if it was allowed to be or knew exactly what it wanted to be. The deviants were underserved, and it's really unclear uh, how we're ultimately supposed to feel at the end of the movie. I thought that I thought they kind of didn't do a great job of wrapping this movie up, but. When I was supposed to feel something at the end, I did. So 
Uh, all in all, I would say it's a very imperfect movie. I don't understand the bottom end of, of criticism, but I don't understand the top end of praise. So I'm somewhere mm. in the middle of, of, on that spectrum. And I would I, I'll just give my rating up front for those of you who are going to jump after the spoiler free. I would give it a six. That's where I'm at right now. But I should say this conversation that we're about to have might change that in either direction. Sure. Right. <clears throat> um, I'll go next just because it sounds like we're on the same page. I would say I echo almost all of Sean's points. So I'll try to keep this brief. Um, I went in really, really like expecting the worst because of what we had seen, right? It having a plummeting Rotten Tomato score that is lower every time I look at it. I was like, oh, God, this thing is going to just be a mess for whatever reason, right? And like it is a mess in a lot of ways that we'll talk about. Um, It's got some big problems when it comes to pacing, um, some of the or- order of events is is weird and a little disorienting. There's a yeah. lot uh, about it that I can and will criticize <laughs> during this conversation. Um, but I was surprised how much of it I did find effective in terms of um, getting to the end of the plot and actually caring about some of the characters. Uh, I there were several moments, especially early on in the movie, where I like I actively rolled my eyes about some of the choices that were made in terms of like, again, like how information is presented. Um, yeah. But I I I think in a lot of ways I would argue this movie is really like brave is not the right word for it, but like it takes risks and it it makes choices that MCU movies prior have either not been allowed or not been interested in in making. And I appreciate it for that. Um, I have a few examples that Mm. I think really stand out, but some folks will might argue that they're spoilers, so I'll save them. Um, But yeah, I I think that uh, you hit the nail right on the fucking head for me, Sean, with the whole, I don't understand the bottom of critique and the top of praise because... Anyone who says that this is, like, a, a great movie, I think is maybe kidding themselves. Um, and anybody who's arguing that this is in any way worse movie than Thor The Dark World is fucking high on something I would love to get my hands on. Because they're on some other fucking plane of existence if you think <laughs> that this movie is worse than that movie. Or even fucking, I thought th- I thought this was better than Black Widow. Like, you know, like, I think there's a couple Marvel movies this is probably better than, um, you know, and whatever. Your mileage may vary on that. Uh, maybe that doesn't sound like a lot in a 26-movie franchise, but I think for me, the ways in which this movie was fresh and different um, outweighed the ways in which it was clunky and messy and, you know, um, took missteps. That's where I'm at with it. Oh, and I guess for the rating, like, I'd say probably like a, it's in a comfortable like seven, like it's like a, it's a solid C, you know, it's, Mm. it's, 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 it's passable, you know, but, um, I think that's because the things that are good about it are good about it, you know, um, but there's a lot around it that's murky. Kale, you go. Mm. Sure. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hated this. <laughs> and I think I think, you know, your 
your broad uh, description of certain things, uh, Pete and Sean are are true, and I think to a certain extent, I agree. Mm. But to me, the performances of like eighty percent of the cast were utterly wooden. Um, I, I just I couldn't connect. Every ever to me, everything felt hollow. Um, to a certain degree, it even felt expositional. Um, and I just didn't. I, I think uh, you were talking about Angelina Jolie. I think this is they. She was utterly wasted. Oh, I I I was gonna say it later, but I wanted way more of yeah. her. I completely agree with that. I was just saying that, like, I loved her, her presence and and what she brought, what she was allowed to do. I mean, Man. I, I will have to get into that as a thing because I definitely agree with that. I feel like there are a lot of characters that are wasted or misused or whatever you want to say. Like, there's too many characters for everybody to have adequate screen time. And I think that's a big problem for sure. Yeah. Um, I think I uh, overall, I think I do agree. I think I don't necessarily understand the the low, low, you know, worst MCU film or whatever, but I definitely don't understand the people who really like it. For me, this is a, an easy three. Yeah, I, think I, I think I enjoyed Black Widow more than this. Oh, damn. All right. Well, I'm, I feel like I'm living somewhere comfortably between Sean and Kale. And I think I'll start. <laughs> so, just like any other movie review we've ever done. <laughs> well, I feel like Pete's. Uh, I don't even know why you two there. are here. <laughs> the. Um, I, I, I'd start with the performance end. I think there were definitely quite a few instances where I did not feel like the acting was there like up to par I, I i didn't get invested in the characters i don't think that they portrayed some of the emotions at the high these high emotional peaks mm. too well and we'll get into the, a few examples of that um definitely agreed i think on angelina jolie she was what we got of her is phenomenal um i really liked sama Hayek in in this one as well like i think she did with whatever amount of screen time she got i think she was always uh a commanding force on screen and i thought that was pretty good um and then we'll get into other individual characters but like sprite for me oof not yeah that was pretty i i, she, I think she it, felt like a high school plague character here's my yeah thing. i didn't like her but i also felt like that was good and i'll talk more about that later i i, I think i know what you're getting at um, I I don't think her performance and the the way that that she was used in the movie was particularly uh, done well. I think it was a functional character, but I don't think she was she she managed to drive it um, that character in in a way that was for me believable or in, in entertaining. Um, sure, yeah, I can see that. And uh, one thing I I, I did uh, want to to find that was positive. I think the concepts the the concept of the eternals and what they are and how this fits into the MCU i think makes sense and uh i i like 
the I like the ideas that have been put forward here and the the effects and the, there were some there's some good moments um in particular when you first see uh like a celestial I'm like mm. oh this is this is a cool way and this is how we grasp what this next sort of phase of Marvel is of the MCU is going to be you know it's going to be this even larger than whatever we had already been dealing with and so I think they did a really good job of representing what it is here uh, for the Eternals and what it will mean for the MCU down the line. So very excited about that. and thought that was really effective. Um, but otherwise, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it, but there are some pacing issues. There, there's some things that like I uh, came off cooler than hot on, I think. And for me, this was probably like a five. Okay. You weren't kidding when you said you were roughly in the middle of Kale and I. <laughs> that is it for our spoiler-free section. Everything from this point forward is going to be full of spoilers. So if we you will. care about that, you got to go. But if you don't or you've seen it, stick around um, because we are going to uh, get into this whole movie. So it starts in a way that's very unique. Um, and, and, and immediately you either like that or you don't. I did it. Oh really? The, the little scroll at the, at the at the the front of as it. As soon as that happened, really I was like, "Ooh!" Like I I yeah. I didn't necessarily like. Um, I don't know. It wasn't even necessarily that my immediate reaction was dislike. It was concern. I was like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> I was like, "This yeah. is bad." <laughs> I think that Marvel movies have established that we learn information visually, mm-hmm. uh, and so to switch that up and just have a scroll that's telling us this information i thought okay would would we rather have more visual exposition and verbal exposition which we got a ton of or this quick scroll that's just going to give you the bare bones to me personally i think you could have achieved generally the same concept if you added a line or two of dialogue into the first time we see Selma Hayek and the the main celestial yeah. together. I don't think you needed that scroll at all. I think it diminished and it made the movie start off. It started off on the wrong foot. I agree. Yeah, it it makes it feel like slow to start. Yeah. Um. And that the 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 biblical illusion there it completely took me off like you say on on the wrong foot like i i started with oh this isn't what i came here for i didn't know i was in church (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah go ahead no no no. go ahead go ahead so that was immediately kind of disturbing but okay fine we we can we can move past that we can forgive that i did not realize that uh selma hayek was playing ajax and that was the first thing as a comic book fan that was a bit disorienting was all the race and gender bent characters. I'm I'm not like a, a huge fan of the Eternals. I don't have a, a, a wealth of knowledge about them, but, you know, I've read a decent amount and I was like, oh, wait, who's who? What's what the hell's going on? Because so many of the characters were different. That threw me way off. I think um, I have just yeah. such a cursory knowledge of them that it was like, OK. 
cool. Yeah. Like the only yeah. ones, like if you put a gun to my head and were like, name three Eternals, I would be dead. <laughs> really? Well, no, okay, you know what? I might, I might have survived because I could have been Icarus, Sprite, Cersei, but like beyond that, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think for, uh, even though I've been reading like the Eternals run, like for me, it didn't, it didn't catch me off guard. I'm just like, okay, this is whatever this iteration of it is, and so I don't. I, I don't feel a certain way about it. Oh, interesting. Um, I I actually found myself thinking about this during the movie. Um, that was one th- that I felt actually justified itself. Not that I'm the type of person that feels like it needs to. Um, I felt that Selma Hayek's Ajax really showed the care for earth and the planet in the way that i in like a a a feminine mother motherly way in a motherly way more than uh the the you know the male presence of you know uh uh, that uh, a character of that stature would you know like an odin type Mm. sure i'm so glad you said that um let's let's keep that in the back pocket because i yeah. Um, so we we, we kind of get started. Uh, uh, there's the the scene with, uh, you know, Kit Harrington's Dane Whitman, who I thought would be in the movie a lot more. Oh, than yeah. He actually yeah. was. 100%. That there was were so many egg. characters that I thought were going to be in this so much more. Mm-hmm. I uh, was very confused between he and Icarus. I don't know these Game of Thrones guys, <laughs> and they both look the exact same to me. So I thought he was oh, Icarus. Fuck! I just and, realized uh, that Icarus is Rob Stark. <laughs> oh wow! Dude. I did not yeah, fucking yeah. put that together until right now. They literally played brothers in that show, so that's probably yeah. why you think they look similar. That's funny. That's funny yeah. as fuck. I can't believe I didn't realize that. Um, and he's he's pining for uh, Gemma Chan Cersei, their teachers together and stuff like that. And I actually really kind of liked all that stuff, the bar scene and things Me like too. that. Like that was that was all cute and fine and cool. Um, but I, I just thought it was and this was a, a problem for me throughout the movie. And, you know, feel free to disagree. But I felt like they were kind of loose with who knew what they were, and who did it. Um, they, yeah, they absolutely were. And it, it made it confusing in some scenarios because like. Then some of the, the comic relief characters, um, uh, specifically like like Karun, where he was just like, like he, he'd have he a good back valley. and forth. Yeah, like he'd yeah. have like a good back and forth. But then there were others that it implied a lot more. And so like there wasn't a consistency of how people should react. And therefore, I didn't know how I should react by somebody knowing like, mm. should I be like, oh my God, is this a bad right. thing? But then they laugh about it. And then okay. somebody else would be like, oh, you're a what? And I'd be like, oh, okay, now this person's serious about it. Yeah. I think I think too it confused the issue, especially at the very end, uh, because Cersei is like, "Well, I can't live among the humans ever again without being an eternal." I was like, "Why?" Yeah, nobody fucking yeah. saw any of yeah. that. Like, so, <laughs> no one cares. I interpreted that a little bit differently. Um, with like, because like with uh, Quran, like it's like he worked for Kamel for fifty years. They said right, so I'm like, yeah. All right. Yeah. Makes sense that he knows everything. They're they've been buddies for forever, um, in human terms, <laughs> and uh, so that was like whatever. Um, but 
at the end, I read the thing with Cersei being more like her saying that she couldn't ju- just live among people anymore. Not that, like, she couldn't blend in, like, that it was not an, not an option, but that, like, she felt like she had a bigger responsibility because she's no longer waiting around to go back to Olympia. She's now a being that has free will and the ability to make choices and purpose. Right. Like, and to her, that's protecting the earth because she loves the earth and the earth is her home. That was how I took that. Um, Which is very interesting that you say that because I'm not claiming that none of them are Avengers other than her, but she's specifically the one who has the most ties as an Avenger. Right. Mm. I didn't think about that at the time, but I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I was just a little bit thrown off by how much like Dane knew and then um, Sprite and um, and uh, Cersei were like whispering to each other. But Dane's like walking ahead of them for some reason. Yeah, that was weird. And, like, <laughs> and I, I he just, definitely he definitely wasn't far enough that he would not be able to hear yeah, what they're saying. Like, yeah, my girlfriend and I were remarking that to each other during the movie. Like, wait a second. He can't hear this shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, is, and, and obviously that's like a movie contrivance that they do for the sake of it. But, it, it, you know, you're coming into something that's so foreign with this Eternals film um, and every little thing that's off for me was like more glaring than it would yeah. be in another film. I thought I do like the way they sort of got around, at least with Dane in the beginning, uh, you know, Sprite telling him everything. And then when it all happens, he's like, oh, I thought you this, this and this. He's like, fuck you. That was real. Like, yeah. And like, yeah, that, that kind of worked. Yeah. Yeah. I And yeah, the response was she was like, I didn't I didn't think you believe me. And he said, I do now. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. I, I also want, because uh, we're on the subject of this particular area of the movie, uh, Sprite. I want to talk about Sprite because she really only has a, a, a few moments that matter in the film. So let's just talk about her now. So here uh, in the beginning, there's a scene where she's there's a guy on a date with a woman and he tries to put his hand on her hand and his hand goes right through. And then the woman walks away and it turns out it was Sprite. Um, making herself look older than she actually is or mm-hmm. older. Well, that's funny. Um, making herself <laughs> look older. Right. Sure. Um, mm, I get it. And, you know, that's a that's so Sprite is gender bent in the movie. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the comics in the comics, that's a that's a male character boy. Oh, yeah. And um, in the comics, he is kind of like their Loki in the sense that he's the trickster. He's always putting them in weird spots because of the fact that he's upset that he is actually as just as old as all of them, but appears as a child. So he can't have sex, you know, with uh, adults, whatever. Um, he can't like live as a, as what he wants to be right Even in this movie. Um, like they treated Sprite more like a kid and like, that's absolutely. gotta be extremely fucking patronizing, right? Like obviously. <laughs> right. And uh, so seeing Sprite go through those things in the film as a girl, I thought was really interesting. And I like that they peppered that in. Um, but I don't think that they did. I think it could have been done better. Um, you know, go ahead, Kill. I think it's all they got. You know, that's all Sprite got was that that one scene, really. And like it doesn't add to anything later in the film. For her, for, for her character. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I asked my girlfriend about that because I agree with you. And she seemed she felt that she got everything she needed to understand why Sprite felt the way she did at the end of the movie, which okay, fine. You can make the link from the from that scene to the end where she's like, Oh, I'm gonna join Icarus because you know I don't want this anymore. I wish that Sprite had been more of an actor. I wish that yeah. Sprite had the ability or was portrayed in the movie to to like in the comics to put them in a spot where it's like, okay, I'm making this happen because I need this to happen. Um, All she does is stab Cersei and they get hit in the head by a rock. And she stood there in monologue. She didn't. She what she did was nothing. It was irrelevant. I hated that. In that early scene, too. And I feel like she did this. She did this. They they put this character to do this sort of same thing where something would be happening like oh that's deviant like and then something else would happen oh that's whatever this energy thing is and then like i i felt like like that got old pretty quick and she got relegated to that character and i found that to be really frustrating for the same exact reasons of there could have been so much more to her character she could have let loose a deviant she could have like been some sort of background manipulator character similar in in cahoots with icarus to have made some of that those later scenes a bit more uh consistent like emotionally they were because of how she feels about Icarus but even then there could have been like a deeper level to that sure yeah and and to that point her being in love with Icarus like I could take that or leave it um rooting her decision making in that was like I think most people will come away because that's what my girlfriend did will come away from that thinking Sprite did those things because she loves Icarus and she wants to support him and yada yada and that's i don't love that like i want i want sprite to have made those decisions because i want to be like you all or or i want to be a human either way but not because she just loves icarus you know yeah i think deeper i think i think it's the difference between sprite being eternally an 11 year old girl or sprite being a seven billion year old person in an 11 year old's body right exactly and i don't think that that was consistently handled yeah Um, yeah because i think that i think you're totally right where it's like there's uh, the the, that conversation about wanting to grow up and be able to be an adult is nuanced um but it's treated in a way as like but i'm a i'm a kid but it's like but you're not right like that's the whole thing is you're not supposed to have that mentality you're being treated like you have that mentality um, and it's not, it, it just doesn't feel like it quite gets there. And, and, you know, we did the Eternals book club and in that we discussed Sprite and in that book Sprite, um, forces or puts himself in a position of being childlike because he's making money as a child right. actor. Right. But when he's not on camera, he's a 7,000 year old person. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the movie doesn't try to do that. No, no. And and I think that that definitely didn't work. Um, and I think that's probably just like an example of like not great characterization for that character and wanting to use yeah. that character in a way that didn't really serve that character. It served other characters, um, sure. which is not inherently a problem. Um, right. Like with like this is an ensemble cast. Um, there are what? like 10 principal characters in this movie. That's why they have to kill a bunch of them um, or make some of them bad guys or whatever, whatever. Uh, there's 11. 
Yeah. Okay, eleven, not including not including Harry Styles or Kit Harrington. Right, right, including Kit Harrington. Oh, I yes. have, I have eleven. Yeah. Okay, right. So that's why I guess I said ten because Kit Harrington's kind of like a bit player, right? Which yeah. is fine. But that's an example, right, of where that's okay. Kit Harrington's role in this movie is to be Cersei's boyfriend. He does that. Check. Yeah. Great. Cool. That's fine. He's the Pepper character. He's the whatever, right? Um, whereas the Eternals, you want each of them to get a moment in the sun. And I feel like each of them gets like maybe exactly one moment in the sun. And then some of them get, you know, like Cersei actually develops and has an arc and goes through a journey uh, in a way that most of the other characters are just not allowed to. They don't have space to, right? Like, um, Sprite literally has an arc, but a lot of the characters just straight up don't, right? Like, um, we talked about Thena. Like, Thena doesn't really have an arc, right? Like, she just is kind of there and is sometimes an obstacle, and then, okay, she gets it together, and now she's an asset at the end of the movie when there's a time to be a fight. Like She's the Hulk. Yeah, she's basically. In this movie. She's the brute. She's the muscle. Um, and like, cool, right? That's, I guess that's the thing is when you have this many characters, you can't serve them all equally. And I think that like for the characters where the movie doesn't try, it works. Cause like with Thena and Gilgamesh, I like those characters. I would have liked more of them. I definitely felt like they were underutilized, but in an ensemble cast with fucking 10 principal characters, I feel like they were handled well because they were good. They were likable, and like at least you know uh, a few of us walked away saying, "Oh, I would have liked more of them." They were underutilized. Whereas some of the other characters, like Sprite, I feel like it's like they weren't necessarily underutilized, just poorly utilized. Um, and I think that some degree of the Thena Gilgamesh problem was inevitable because of how many characters are in this movie that you have to be made to know who they are and care about them. Um, the Sprite thing is an example of just a pure missed opportunity, I think, to just do the same thing, but better. Yeah, completely. And, you know, um, f- for me personally, I think this movie would have um, benefited from just utilizing less characters. I don't think... Yeah. Um, I think you could have cut three of them and Easily. given more time to the ones who we agree are uh, are underutilized uh, to some degree. But so, yeah, so they... they they deal with these deviants, they dispatch of them, and that's all cool. And then the movie kind of like starts to go back in time and show us these characters uh, historically. And it does that throughout the film where it'll go back to like different ages in, in human history to show us that the Eternals have always been here. And they've always been the protectors of Earth and to establish the fact that they're not allowed due to the Celestials to actually interfere in human uh, conflicts. Right. And that explanation is utilized to justify why they didn't involve themselves in the Thanos conflict. Mm-hmm. Talk and, about exposition. Right. And, and and every character is like, oh, well, why didn't you jump in on this? Or what's that? Or, you know, reasons to explain things to us. Um, but that moment with... Um, with uh where they explain why they weren't allowed to to interfere that was terrible 
that's a it's a terrible explanation doesn't make any sense and i feel like there's quite a few things in this movie that if you think about them you're like wait that doesn't add up like okay so they're not allowed to interfere in human conflicts the movie shows us several times human beings fighting each other is out of bounds for the celestials but thanos is not a human thanos is actually a titan and he's coming to either end civilization or rule it or like you don't necessarily know like who knew before he came what his plan was yeah if oh my god oh fuck oh you know what forget it it's a one fuck it (laughs) it's a one are you fucking kidding me (laughs) they the whole the whole the whole celestial thing okay it needs to be the planet needs to be populated so that this celestial can hatch yep so Thanos and he's going to send armies upon armies upon armies upon armies upon armies, and you can't do anything. No, but they're wiping out the people. But they should have brought a deviant along. That even take take out the take out the that the that there's armies killing people. That's even irrelevant, right? Like I think where it really falls apart is that Thanos. And here's the thing: I guess you could argue that the Eternals and their Celestials don't know what Thanos's plan is, but that seems ridiculous. Um, and, like they're there. Well, and and my point is that if <laughs> like the snap, it's not just the armies coming and killing people on Earth. That's half of life in the universe. That's yeah. that's delaying every <laughs> celestial birth. And nobody did anything. And mm-hmm. and so like you could make that argument if this movie came out when Captain Marvel came out. Sure. No, you could. No, no, I'm I'm agreeing. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Because yeah. because then <laughs> it's like they show up in the next movie and they're like, "Yo, this thing happened, and we're down now because this is directly opposed to our goals." That would be fine, but now it's like, nah, it doesn't make sense. You'd be better off coming up with a different, less like hand wavy explanation. And also, correct me if I'm wrong on this, um, because I didn't think that this was clear at all. Um, the Eternals are in the movie to they're they're to protect Earth to make sure that the celestial can be born. Yeah. Right. right? Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In the comics, the Eternals are there on Earth to stop the 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 deviants to keep the deviants at wiping bay. out. Humans. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and but that's consistent here too. They 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 say that. Mm. I, I yeah. feel like they say that they're there to protect human beings and to make sure that the that the uh, that the celestial is born, that that yeah. that's their mission. And they do that. That's not just an Earth thing. They do that across, across. The, the galaxy. Right. There's what, other. The, go ahead. What's the difference, though? Well, so the, the difference, difference. Go ahead. The deviants in the film evolve. They were the original Eternals. The problem became that they evolved and they began hunting the humans or the or the creation, whatever it would be. Yeah. Yeah. They began hunting and they became the apex predator. That's what Cersei is explaining at the beginning of the movie in the classroom. Mm-hmm. The deviants became the apex predator. And so Asherim and the other celestials, I guess, developed the Eternals and programmed them so that they couldn't evolve. So they wouldn't be uh, predators and they wouldn't hunt the creation. Basically, so exactly what happens in this movie wouldn't happen. Yep. Because that's what happens is they evolve beyond their programming. And that was a miscalculation. 
and and so the problem that I was getting at is if they're on Earth and their their mission statement is to protect human beings from deviance and in, and involve themselves in nothing else, then okay. But if they're there to make sure that the celestial is born, then that doesn't work because if Earth is threatened, then the celestial won't exist. Gotcha. So they okay. Have to I see intervene. what you're saying. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Right. Yeah, and that's the thing is like you, it would have been really that, that's a simple change. Right, like that's like, it's that's just two sentences. Yeah, it's again, it's just presenting the information in a, in a uh, unsmart way. Was Kevin Feige off that day? But, <laughs> but yeah, I, he's I, so I busy it. working on those Star Wars movies. You know, I don't know. I feel like they they did explain that cool. during that same like during that same explanation as to like why they were created against like to to be able to curb the deviants, and that's where they're relegated is you're, to stopping the deviants. You're right, but the contradiction comes in when they use that as a justification to not deal with Thanos, because Thanos is directly in opposition to that mission. If the mission is of the Eternals is to preserve the creation of uh, the Celestial, then right, right. it would have logically made sense for no, the Eternals I, to invest themselves in Endgame. I uh, that I understand, but I thought that they did make explicit mention that if it wasn't if the because there wasn't deviance, they didn't interfere. Oh no, you're right. That is true. They did say okay. that. They said that that okay, was their right. programming that they're not right, allowed right, right. to do anything but deal with deviance. But that's not actually their real mission. Is I think the point that Sean's making right is Ajax lies to them and says that that's their mission, but their real mission, their real programming is, is to protect to the protect, Earth. I see I for see. the okay. per- so it's just like. It's just contradictory. And also it's worth pointing out that they're not literally um, like programming wise and capable. Like if you had a robot, you could imp- implement into it. You can't do this. And so it cannot be done. We see right. that, the, that the Eternals can do what they want. Yeah. Because right. Druig actually does do that. And they tell him, don't do that. But he does it. He, and, he he mind controls people. Yeah, and like the whole, all of the actions they take in the movie are against that that stated goal, right? Right. Like they they have free will for all intents and purposes as long as they don't die on the planet and get reset. And so I don't want to belabor this, but that's just one of the logic flaws of the movie. And to me, it's glaring and it hurts the integrity of the film. And the integrity of the MCU when you're saying you have these powerful characters who've been here the whole time that just didn't interfere because of reasons. And that is why I was frustrated by the fact, and this is one of my major criticisms, that the movie chooses to make it so that they've had a consistent consciousness for 7,000 plus years. In the comics, they get reset. And in the in the Neil Gaiman uh, run, they have to remember who they are, that they tried to do that with Fina to an extent. Like she's like, oh, what am I? And she starts losing her mind and stuff like that. And they have to remind her had every character had that at the start of the movie. Then you don't have to explain that shit at all. And on top of that, it allows you to have moments for each character where they awaken to who they are and you can show their memories and the yeah. beautiful stuff that they've had in those commercials when they showed Camille Nanjani dancing and all that stuff and they showed the wedding and stuff I thought that's what we were seeing I thought that we were seeing like oh they're awakening and they're remembering yep. 
that's not how the movie presents it. I thought that was bad. And, and I, yeah. I agree with you, but I think that that was a choice that was made out of necessity because I, I and I'm I'm sure that will <laughs> there'll probably be some pushback on this notion. But like my immediate thought was like this clearly shouldn't have been a movie. Like this should have been a Disney Plus series, and they should have accepted that they were going to eat shit on it financially to set up all these characters effectively because like. There's too many fucking characters for you to set them all up well, and the idea of this being a movie where it's like, okay, right, and I'm maybe exaggerating a little bit, but, like, we open with a crawl to give us information that we need to present context for everything. We're in the past. We're in the present day. We're back in the past for, like, a half hour. We're back in the present day. We go back to the past again. We go back to the present day. We go three days earlier. We go a few days later, and it's just, like, that pacing that kind of jumping around and stuff like that i don't think that works in a movie that works in a tv show and you could do episodes that focus on here's about how gilgamesh woke up here's how cersei woke up and and give each character a beat and more time and and do some of those things but like you like if we had to do that or if we cut half of the characters in the movie that would be the other thing you could do right where like you show them all go through that process and you know, and, you know, I don't know, maybe one of them didn't, right? And then that's the Icarus character who's the bad guy or whatever. Like, I don't know. There are ways I could see that, but you'd have to fundamentally change a lot about this movie, I feel like, to give the space for that. Because this movie's already almost three hours. It's like two hours and like 30 some odd minutes, right? Like, Yeah. Yep. I think I think the thing about the the Athena problem, what, what did they call it? Mammothon, mad wiry, mad, yeah, mad weary. weary, yeah, mad, mad weary. yeah, yeah. That was it. Yeah, terrible fucking name. I was. I, it took me like three times to get it, and even then, I'm like, I don't know. I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, is this a character? <laughs> like it, it, it sounds like a like an evil mind right, imp right, or whatever. Presence. That that was the thing uh, where like ac- the accents messed with me the most. Where it was like yeah, when they would say yeah. like prop like new nouns. But like every time you hear the word, it's in someone else's accent, and I'm like, "What is the word? What what yeah. is it?" Like, <laughs> I think. Sorry, go ahead, Sean. I was just gonna say, I think that there were more graceful ways to handle some of the problems that the movie has. Yes, I think, um, you know, doing a series would have been tough just because b- the budget would have been insane. Like, yeah, it would have been over a billion dollars. Totally for awesome. Angelina Jolie alone. Yeah, yeah, and she deserves it. Um, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but I, I, I do I do feel like there's a movie that they were intent on making, which is the one we got. And they did that damn all to what this movie needed to be in order to function properly, to be good, mm. to be a great film. I think this movie needed to be a different film and they didn't want to make that. Um, And that, you know, it is what it is. We're here to judge the movie that was right. Um, yeah. And, well, and I think you're right about that. And I think the one thing I want to say on that note before we move on um, is that, like, it's interesting because I think that that sometimes is the reason that this movie is interesting. Yes. And it also is the root of all of its problems. Yeah. So, like, completely. Yeah. <laughs> and and let's talk about the character relationships, because I, I, I feel like one of the things that I've seen and what seems consistent is people liked the relationships between the characters. Yeah. And the drama. I thought they had good chemistry. Like, I think the group mm. of characters, like, bounced off each other well, you know? I think the group bounced off each other well. 
I don't necessarily think the sets bounced off each other well. I think it depended the set. Um, yeah, I see. And yeah, like like for me, Athena and Gilgamesh, like I like them as characters. I think their interactions were a bit distant. Um, it's because Angelina Jolie was fucking wasted. <laughs> they gave her the uh, all-seeing old lady role, and that's not Angelina Jolie. She, she's it, not a dementia-ridden old lady. She's not. And and like I, I think I think even with that, I think there could have been something there that would have been a bit more substantial substantial than what we got. And that was my issue was that like Gilgamesh, for me, that could have been like a love point or some sort of interest. And in, from that perspective, that wasn't there, and it just became like this like eternal bond or friendship and whatnot. And that works. That's that's totally fine. But I don't know that. For me, in those interactions, I was sold on that relationship, and it felt I, familial to me. Yeah, and which I think is um, fine. Like they're supposed to be a family. Yeah, no, 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 but I, I think it's fine. I don't think it, I don't think it was delivered effectively. Like I didn't buy the the care and the the heart for really. For I don't know. I it. I liked it a lot. I thought the two of them played off each other well. Um, I think we all we've all praised Angelina Jolie's performance. Um, and I I don't know. Like I thought. There was tenderness there that I appreciated. Hmm. Hmm. Right. Well, I, I I feel that a lot of the relationships were more tell than show. Yes. Yep. And yeah. I want to use time. not enough time. And then I also think some of the some of the acting wasn't strong enough to get across what they needed to get across without words. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to use the relationship between Cersei and uh, Icarus to oh, exemplify God. what I'm, what I'm yes. talking about, because as much as I enjoyed those characters as individuals, I think that their relationship made, it was just, it didn't work. Um, we see that, you know, she likes Dane. She might even love him, but there's a part of her that, you know, I mean, she had a 7,000 year relationship with Icarus or whatever the hell. Right. So she's still, Somehow. Yeah. Um, and we go back to the past and they show us how he, you know, tried to court her or whatever. And he was like, oh, I won't let my love for her interfere with our mission, which was ridiculous. But beyond that, um, he goes up to her and he's like, uh, you, you're beautiful. Like the, there's a joke there. It's fine. It's fine. But he's like, you're beautiful. And she turns away and she's like, oh, my God. And then he's like, I'm yours if you'll have me. And then she's like, oh, you said that? Great. Now let's fuck. And we get the first sex scene in the That's MCU. Right. Hey, 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 Sean. That was crazy, yeah. by the way. Like, Be careful what you ask for. Because we got it. Thanks. All right. Listen, OK, I the in principle, it's still we still want that. I just feel like these two. For whatever they have, I felt like they had no heat, right? Mm-hmm. Like no I just chemistry. did not buy them as a couple. It was like, it wasn't it sexy. Was, no, it, it was wasn't. like two cement blocks. <laughs> that was the least sexy thing I've ever seen in my life. And you're if you're man. gonna, and again, like it's the MCU. I don't need porn in the movie. I don't really want any of that. Like frankly, like, don't even want to romance. Yeah. Like I. I don't want a sex scene in Marvel movies. I, I submit yeah. that these are movies for younger people and older people too, but like, we don't need that. We get, we, yeah. we get it right. Passion. Like Pete just said is different. You can show passion without any clothes being removed. And it feels like the movie oh, didn't know that or didn't try to do that. Like, I want like that electricity, you know? And it's like, and like, we've had other couples in the MCU that like 
that do have chemistry, whether or not you know the MCU is very sexless, but like the whole like um you know, high school, like, uncertainty between, like, Peter and, and MJ is, like, that works. Like, you buy it, right? Like, it, it it lands. This just, I was like, oh, I don't, like, the idea, I bought them as disconnected, right? Like, the, the in the modern era where they're divorced and they, mm-hmm. like, used to love each other and there's still care there, but it hurts. Like, that worked, but in the past where it was supposed to be them in love, I was like, Oh no, like they, I don't, there's no electricity here. I walked out of the movie and I said, I I have no clue why they loved each other. The movie didn't do a job of showing us the why. They just told us what it is. When we see the relationship, right? When you think about it, we see him tell her and then they're married. And and then we know they divorced because he had to hide this thing from her or whatever. That's fine. I buy that. But like, well, the thing is like, I think we do see why he would love her. She's very caring. She's very tender to the people, you know, uh, of earth. You know, she really genuinely cares. We we see her in, you know, helping uh, garden and, and, and grow things and interact with the people. I have no fucking clue what she's thinking. What like is she what, seeing him? What even? Is it the he's cheekbones? Hot. Hey, he is hot. Oh, yeah, sure. But for 5,000 years, he's that hot? Maybe. <laughs> yes. Maybe. That's the the sex is that good. <laughs> Unless you're Sprite. It, um, um, it, it, uh, have you guys seen that article uh, that is basically like uh, the, the headline is um, everyone is hot, but nobody's horny? Something like that. No, I haven't. But that sounds like this movie. That's it, well, it's it's a it's an, a complete description of what we've um, described with the MCU. There's no passion. There's no you know, there's nothing sexy about it, even though everybody is just absurdly hot. And by the way, fine. I don't care. Don't make a love story then. Sure. Yeah, right. You can't have it both ways. You can't. How are you gonna have a love story where no one is passionate? That it doesn't work. But mm-hmm. let's let's move forward. There's a lot of of, of stuff to get through. Um, Cersei is pretty much the main character of the movie. I think that's fair to say. And um, uh, there were you know mixed bag. I like Gemma Chan. This yeah. is her second uh, character, by the way, in the MCU. She played Minerva in Captain Marvel. Um, she's cool. Oh. I felt like the Cersei character didn't have a lot of life to her. Like she was always contemplative and like, you mm. know, uh, like I just I didn't get a lot out of her character. I actually bought her more as a a, a regular person. Yes. Than I did the yeah. eternal. Yeah, yeah. The thing that was weird for me was that she felt like she was kind of playing into the reluctant hero archetype, but she was not mm-hmm. a reluctant hero. Like she right. is, she's the most active actor in the story, mm-hmm. right? Like she's the one who, you know, drives reuniting the Eternals, putting the plan together, right? Like she's the glue. Um, she's the leader of the Eternals. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's not that, um, I didn't like her, but she didn't, 
excluding the parts where we were focused on her re- her like quote unquote real life as a as a person, she didn't feel like a leading uh woman. No. You know? And and I m- the way I would des- describe it for myself, I liked her a lot more and wanted to like her a lot more than the movie gave me reason to. And yeah. that sucked. Mm-hmm. But I came into this movie ready to love uh, uh, Gemma Chan as Cersei. And I feel like you can say that about literally every character, though. And that's yes. that's yeah. the thing is that like none of them have room to breathe. Right. So like, you know, I know um, we haven't really talked about him yet, but uh, we, we talked a bit off mic about um, Camille Nanjiani's um, Ingo. 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 Yeah. And it's like similar kind of thing. Right. Where like. I really liked his character, but I felt like because of the fact that it's an ensemble cast and it is all these things, he's, you know, he's the comedic relief character, right? And, like, he's kind of relegated to that role um, and doesn't have a lot of room to breathe outside of that. And, you know, um, I responded to the Gilgamesh character. He barely talks and he's you know, dies pretty early. And, you know, um, you can you can line that up about every character in the movie and that's not great, but it's particularly egregious. I think in the case of Cersei, because she is our leading character and I get the idea of, well, it's an ensemble, so there isn't really a main character, but that's not how that works because let's look at the other most notable ensemble cast in the MCU, the guardians of the galaxy. Who's the main character of those movies? It's Peter Quill. Right. Like in the first movie, he's human. He's the POV character for you, the viewer, to have him contextualize the weird things for you. And the second movie is about his dad and who he is and his found family and choosing his found family. It's all Peter. All the other characters have their own things going on. They have arcs to lesser degree. Rocket has like a big arc, you know, but like it's really fucking it's about Peter. And Mm -hmm. that's what Cersei should have been. She should have been our POV grounded anchor character. And I think they want her to be that. But I don't feel like she has enough room to like, who is she? Right. Like, I don't really know that much about her, you know, aside from the fact that she's kind and she loves Earth and she lo- she love cares about people and she cares about, you know, um, like furthering humanity to whatever yeah. degree. Right. Cool. But like, I know things about. Peter Quill, right? Like, I know what his favorite music is and things like that. That's humanizing. That makes him a person. Whereas she feels like, you know, I feel a little removed from her, even though I want to like her more, right? Like, I would have loved to see more of, like, they comment about how she's on her phone a lot, right? Like, okay, like, can can we take that somewhere? Like, can we give some, like, why does she love photography or something, right? Like, give her a personality. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like a lot of the characters' personalities were their powers or their role in the Eternals versus... And by the way, can I just point out, they've been alive for 7,000 plus years and they all are the exact same people they've always been. Mm -hmm. What the hell? Like, human beings change and grow and evolve over the maximum hundred and... You know, the average person is going to live for like less than 100 years. So... We all do that. They don't. That's weird to me. Um, And also kind of frustrating because it removes the ability for us to see them in different lights. All their relationships are the same as they've been since whenever. 
And that was, I didn't, I didn't care for that. Well, I mean, the relationships changed because like Fastos wasn't, he wasn't down to necessarily, he, he left like the he group, grew, right? He like, changed. There, there are a few characters and a few examples where people have changed and have, uh, have grown in different ways. Um, and like, like that was, that was one, one relationship in particular that I think worked for me was that you know, he, he had decided to remove himself because of the, the technology that he provided. Like he, he was a direct cause of so much pain and therefore that's why he wanted to change and grow his own family. I think, I think a lot of that worked. I think it, it wasn't for all the characters and they probably would have benefited from that. But um, the examples were there, I think. But even that, right? Like, I think that's part of the problem is you're right. That is all there and that is all good. But that's like two scenes. Sure. In like a three hour movie. You know, like I would have rather spent more time with that character who actually did things and had an arc. And but like he's a he's a background character. Mm -hmm. And then but then it's like we have like Druig. Who gets like the same amount of screen time, and it's like, what's what the fuck? Like, what? Like, he doesn't. Did he need to be here? And like, I love I, Druig. What's that? I love Druig. And I like him. I'm not saying I dislike the character, but it, but it's like, at some point, you trim the fat, right? Or or you let characters sink more into the background. And I don't know. Well, okay. So two two things. Um, the the problem that I'm that I'm talking about. Uh, characters not changing and kind of whatever like if you were alive for seven thousand plus years right uh how many families would you have had right how many friends how many jobs how many this and that they're all acting as if they've been alive for 30 40 years and that don't work for me i don't believe that fastos has this family that he's deeply connected to. And this is like the movie treats it as if he left the Eternals to have this family. And that's not the case. He left the Eternals and then did whatever for however many thousand years and then had this family. What happened? Right. What was his life like? Why is he willing to go through the pain of knowing that his family that he just created as a gay man, by the way, which is hard to do, is going to die? How does that work? How do you feel about that? The movie does not care to talk about that at all. Not at all. And that is super frustrating to me. And um, I, I forget her name. Who's the, the speedster? Macari. Oh, Macari. Macari, thank you. Um, like, the way that the movie puts her on ice uh, was really weird to me, where it's like, they show up to the lab and she's just like, I've been here reading for 7,000 years. What's up, everybody? And I'm just like, Really? Like, this is what we did to take this character off the board so that we wouldn't have to have another person in every scene for the whole movie? Like, Also, can I say, um, and this is not meant to be ableist or anything like that, so excuse me if it comes across this way. I think I know what you're going to say, and I think I might agree. Go ahead. Did they cast a deaf person so that she they is deaf. have to? She is Sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So that they wouldn't have to write more lines for a character. Oh, shit. Had, that you still have to write what the line, saying? you asshole. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, but like. That's not what I was going to say. <laughs> that's fucked up. Okay. Okay. I, I apologize. Both I do. I sincerely that. apologize. <laughs> it was a thought. I don't stand by it. Oh, I my God. I will no, say. I, I, 
Thank you, thank you for sharing your thought, Kale. To to yeah. draw along that cynical line, I did feel like they put that character on ice for a lot of the movies, so they wouldn't have to navigate the fact that like she was a deaf character, right? Who spoke through sign language. Um, and I, I I think for me, actually, wait, Sean, you did you were good at thank you, point. Marco. I appreciate you. Um, I don't understand how the Eternals were created by the celestials but then one of them's deaf and that's a that's a thing they can't that's just what it is right like they're created to be perfect beings but one of them is deaf you're gonna get into your disability thing again i'm not getting into a disability (laughs) thing i'm just saying that like that doesn't make any sense to me the reason i don't like i had that thought but i justified it to myself in terms of why that does or doesn't you know make sense for like you know like logically um why would sprite be a child either you know it's like that doesn't oh, i think really... that's dumb too well sure but like we've accepted that that's a thing so like whatever and that, and, and that had intention on behalf of the celestials so at, at that point that's like or oversight creator right either or um i and marco makes a good point like i could understand why that would be the case you know, make them palatable to children, whatever. We see the role that Sprite plays um, as being the character who's like, oh, she she entertains the kids and she makes cool shows and stuff like that. So maybe there's a, a grand design reason for that, but it wasn't presented. And so therefore it's like, what 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 is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it felt I'll be I'll be honest. It felt like the Makari's character was created that way um for representation reasons rather than logic and story reasons yeah and like and that bothers me I, I i it doesn't for me because like i i don't think you need to have a reason right like i think that's like fine but like to do that and then also shelve the character for like 60 yeah. percent of the movie yeah. to me that's where that rubs me the wrong way if this were any other movie i wouldn't give a flying f but they were created by perfect beings to be perfect beings. That's all I'm saying. I don't I don't get that. They're not perfect beings though, I guess is the thing, right? Is like they all have plenty of flaws, <laughs> but not physically. Well, sure. My, um, so like, like my I, I think my my one uh the the, the one thing that like, I kept getting caught off guard for a second was when it would come to to her lines and um like instinctually I would I would not remember that I'd have to read a subtitle for a second. So like I'd miss the first yeah. word and I'd be like, Oh wait, uh, okay. Okay. And I get into the mindset of doing that. Like it, it's, I obviously I watch anime. So like it's consistent. It, it's there when it's consistent like that, but like, I'll forget, I'll still forget sometimes. And I, I'll look at, I'll look at somebody and like expect the, the speech there. Um, but I, I didn't have any issue with the, the character outright. I think the power set originally, like in the first scene where she's just running, I'm like, that's a dumbass power. Now what the fuck is gonna happen? And then she starts kicking ass. I'm like, oh, this is a fucking cool ass power. Super speed is a dumbass power. Is that a thing that I you just said? Lost. Yeah. You're a crazy you person. Gotta, you Let's gotta just, read some flash. We're gonna sidestep that. Marco's <laughs> read like, flash. God damn. Marco's like, why does she have swap powers? That makes way more sense. That, that would be so cool. Uh, anyway, sign language swamp powers. But, um, but, <laughs> I, the last point I want to make on that is, I think, I think when you come to. Uh, to stuff like this. Asshole. <laughs> I th- I think where where I come down on stuff like this is just like um 
I, I don't I don't like need things to make like perfect logical sense where that's concerned, right? When it comes to like internal consistency of the rules of the universe or whatever, like yes. Um, but like, yeah, like if I'm already accepting that for some reason, like one of them is a child, I'm like, okay, sure. Like, I, I think like the value that it's created to like actually have a, a, a deaf character is like worth it if you actually do something with that character. And that's where I feel bothered and it feels very much like checking a box uh in my mind because like she's mm. not you know like aside from when she beats the shit out of uh Icarus for a couple minutes she doesn't really do anything you know yeah like through the whole movie let's talk about Icarus he's the boss that's what they call him he's the boss he's the the, the Ajax the leader of the Eternals but he's the like Cyclops she's the, the Ajax is the the Professor X, Icarus is the the Cyclops, and they see him that way, um, in the sense that they also seem to see him as kind of a jerk. Um, and it was weird to me that at the end of the movie, when he does his heel turn, um, all of a sudden, a couple of characters are like, "Oh, I've been waiting to beat you up, or I've been waiting to put put you in your place, or whatever." And it was like, "Okay, so you guys have been friends for all these years, but secretly you've been wanting to fight this guy." Like, I don't get it. Um, Thena says that, and then yeah. Fasto says it too. Mm-hmm. Um, With Thena, I didn't think it was like a "I've been wanting to do this to like put you in your place." I think it was more like "I've always wanted to test my metal against you because I know you're the yes. strongest." Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. perfectly fine. Yeah, but. You could have done that 6,000 years ago. You're you're fighting him now, and you're like, yeah, this is great because I've been wanting to fight you. And then Fastos is like, yeah, this is great because I want to take you down a peg. And it's like, well, where did all this shade come from? What is this about? I mean, Druig hated him, too. I, I mean, he's just an asshole. Like, I don't know. You know? Druig's an asshole. <laughs> That's like, true. <laughs> so w- why why do they feel like that? The mo- I don't think the movie establishes why Icarus is bad. Um, to them, I get why yeah. he's bad in the in the modern era. Why they don't like him now? Because what he did is screwed up to them. But but historically, where are those feelings coming? From? I I kind of read it as like um, again like hearkening back to that family dynamic where it's not like hating you. It's more just like being kind of sick of some of your bullshit, you know, and being like, what's his bullshit? Uh, that's the thing. That's not explained. Not disagreeing. Yes, I, I guess it would be similar to like the well if you take gene out of the equation and that this might be where this analogy loses it but the beef that like cyclops and wolverine have right where it's like yeah it's not like we fucking hate each other or anything like that but there's like sibling we, rivalry almost you but, know? but we know why Right is what I'm is what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm and you're saying totally right about that. Yeah, I'm <laughs> saying that it doesn't make sense why they feel that way no in the story. There's no context for that. Yeah. They just say it, and that's it. We have to accept it. Yeah, yeah. the The only thing I can think of immediately is the um, the way Icarus steps up to Druig when Druig starts to, you know. Yeah, go off control. on his own and, like and, and, and does his mind control. Yeah. yeah he's mind controlling humans. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not taking it aside. I'm just saying that like, that's the only scene I can think of that, you know, this is where Icarus is drawing his absolutist line and, you know, 
everybody else sees that. I I think the problem is you have to project for it to make sense, right? Like, I don't think it doesn't make sense that there would be beef, but, like, tell me why, right? Like, the idea of him being like, oh, like, you're not even the fucking leader, but you act like the boss, that would be a good reason. Or everybody, Mm. you know, like, looks at you as a leader because you're physically the strongest, but I'm smarter than you, right? Like, those are... Those are reasons to have friction, but we don't explore any of that. We don't talk about any of that. We get no opportunity for that development. Mm. Uh, and so that's kind of like where the movie takes a turn when when we learn that Icarus is responsible for the death of Ajax. Um, you know, he basically feeds her to the Deviants. And one of them. Huh? How did you react to that? Because I really liked that, actually. You did? I- I thought yeah. it was a good. I, I thought it was good, like a good device because it caught me off guard, and I'm like, "Oh, that's that's actually interesting." But like the way these Eternals are here to fight the Deviants, so how are you gonna get your like how are you gonna get beat by the the Deviants that haven't eaten in whatever amount of time and just coming out and like you know they just come. They're stronger for reasons, Marco. We don't know what those reasons are, but they are stronger. Mm-hmm. Um. I I thought it was fine. I guess like I I was more interested in okay. So what's the logic of this? Why why is he yeah. making this decision? Yeah. And the why is <laughs> he's the only character in the whole movie who's doing what he's supposed to do. Yeah. And that was my problem. You're telling me he's wrong, and you're telling me he's bad. But what is programming them? The movie is telling me they're programmed to do what the Celestials want them to do. Are they or are they not? Well, I guess the idea is supposed to be that they can follow their hearts, which they say in the film. Right. But then that's not that's not what programming is. So why are they using why are they talking like that? I think the reason that there's a disconnect there is it's two things. It's that I think the takeaway is that they have evolved. They have grown and changed over the last 7000 years. There's that line of dialogue from um, Selma Hayek, uh, too many fucking characters in this movie, Ajak, uh, who says... I, I like I lived among them and these people they changed me right and I think the idea is supposed to be that all of the Eternals have been changed by their time on Earth and that this is who they are now right um, which is fine but I think it comes back to the point that you made earlier Sean where like uh, that just doesn't I don't think that lands because we haven't seen that growth right like we we don't um, we're told that they've grown, right? In the way that, like, oh yes, like Fastest has a family now, so he's a different person. But like, we didn't see that change, so I think it's hard to swallow the idea that like the reason that they're going against their programming is because they've grown and changed as people. When we on screen didn't really see them grow and change as people all that much over the course of the seven thousand years, the extremes of two seven thousand year of a, over a seven thousand year period, you know. Like you said, it feels like they've been, what, fucked off for like 30 years or whatever. And like that, I think, ends up making it, you bounce off that. The idea that like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, they're not who they were when they came here. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't I didn't really care for the idea that like there was no consideration of their responsibility to the Celestials. Like that didn't that didn't feel like it played into it at all. Icarus felt that way. And um and Sprite and Camille. Well, Camille felt that way, 
but like they felt that way. What is the, they're created. So what was the, what is the part of them, the created part that activates in the comic, they cannot touch the celestial. They can't mm-hmm. physically engage with it because if they do, they, they, they can't, their programming does not allow them to right. do that. So where was that represent were represented in the movie? It wasn't. Yeah, it's a hole, right? It, the programming conveniently works when we need them to fight Thanos, but otherwise it's subject to change. Yeah. That doesn't make um, sense. So so I found that to be frustrating and I I found myself like, wait, well, it, it, by the by the rules, Icarus is correct here. So you know what how am I supposed to feel and I don't think the movie um dealt with the gravity or the weight of that much and that made me feel like the ending of the movie was a little bit weak because the ending of the movie to me is not just about what is happening it's why is this happening and how do the characters feel about it and so okay cool there's this massive celestial here and it's going to end everything that's a very mcu way to end your film but this movie's supposed to be about these characters and i don't think that that part was handled well Kale, you you were uh, you were re- reacting there. What do you want to add to that? I think the um, I, I I the way boy I don't know the um, so it seems like the the answer to like the dramatic question like uh you know are are the eternals doing the right thing uh by killing the celestial that's inside the earth it seems like the the answer that the movie comes up with is well the people of earth have to prove themselves right But I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, my thing was like, it, why? Why do they have to prove themselves? They literally changed these Eternals in their programming, which was something that you had happened. You you tried to like control for and didn't, mm-hmm. and this was the effect that these people had on them. Is that not worthy enough of so much so that they can change a celestial's coding? That assumes an uh, eternal's coding. I'm sorry. uh, No, no. Because they were created by the celestials. The eternals were created by the celestials. And and they had enough power to change the eternals, whatever, as created by the celestials, right? Like you you change the code, but the code is the programmers. And you were able to affect the programmers' code. Mark was making the point that Earth undid the work of the celestials. Right. In the Eternals, yes. In the Eternals, yeah, okay. yeah, right. And that—that's warrants for me. That was uh, that warrants them even being worthy. I think. Sure. I, I think that assumes that the Celestials respect the Eternals more than they do. But I see what you're saying. I thought that that was completely brain dead dumb. Arishem is a Celestial who is the judge, and he has the scope of the universe to consider why would Arishem care about killing the, the humans of earth 
or letting them live? Why would there be a consideration of that? It doesn't matter. The point of the, the end wasn't to kill the humans. And this is something that, again, my girlfriend didn't understand because I think the movie did a piss poor job of explaining this. The point of the end was not to kill the humans. It was for the celestial to be born. Right. The human's death was a byproduct of that. Yes. That was irrelevant. Yeah. The 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 Eternals justification from Ashram and, and the Celestials and, and like their job was that if the celestial is born, more planets and more people and more civilizations yes. will grow out of that. Yes. And so the decision was, do we save the people of Earth and prevent the birth of other worlds and countless other people or let them die and let all these new people and beings and creatures come into existence? I don't think the movie dealt with that quagmire well at all. However, once the deed is done and the Eternals have stopped the celestial from completing its mission, Arashem should be judging them, not yeah. the humans of Earth. Right. What do you care? It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Your intent wasn't to kill them. So why would you go? Why would you go out of your way to say, OK, if I judge them unworthy, I'm going to kill them. What are you killing them for? Revenge? I guess. Right. It's like punitive action. But like, what does that accomplish? Right. But like, humans didn't even do it. That's the that's no, the weird yeah. thing. I mean, like it's punitive action against the Eternals. But like, what sense does that make? Why would a celestial right. care about punishing them when the plan is to wipe their fucking memories anyway? They won't remember. Like, you know, why, yeah. not, just kill, why not just kill the Eternals, if, especially if there's so many more of them? Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> honestly, you would think that, like, the, the resolution that would make the most sense would be he comes and captures the remaining Eternals that are on Earth and then is like, fuck, and pieces. And is like, whatever, Earth's a lost cause. On to the next seed. We're done here. Yeah, right. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like if a if a if a seed if you plant a seed and it doesn't bloom, what do you do? You plant another flower. Right? Like you move the fuck on. Like <laughs> why 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 care? Why even engage with this at this point? Right. And and there's an easy solution. Because in the comics, the the idea is that the celestials have been alive for so long that some amount of them are going crazy. And if yeah. you want to apply that to Arishem, fine. The movie doesn't ever say that. All you had to do was say that that's what's going on here. That's why he cares. And all right, fine. I accept that. I guess it could tell me. us that later. Yeah, but the movie doesn't feel complete because those those pieces of data are absent. Sure. My thought was, um, if you want to, you know, have that scene be a similar scene, you can have. Arisham say, okay, I'm wiping your memories. That's it. You're going to go work for me elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And then the mission of the remaining Eternals becomes to find them and to unlock their memories. To find characters we already care about, not people who gives a shit about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like, frankly, the last thing I feel like we need is more Eternals, right? Like there's already a lot of them and we had to kill a bunch to make it an actually manageable number of characters to move forward with. So like, right. I don't really want them to go find more Eternals. And so my question is, does that mean that the mission statement of the Eternals is bad? Because no. it doesn't feel like it is. So if it's not, then what are they going to go and do? Because not it's not necessarily true that all Eternals would feel like them with the same information. Right. They're not on Earth. I think... Mm. Uh, I think the the 
point that um that Cersei makes is that it's it's there has to be a better way, right? And like I think that's the question. But like at this point, I don't really feel like we're gonna get back to that anytime soon, right? Because now the thing is, you know what I mean? Like you think about what's the trajectory from the for the Eternals from here. Sure. Right? It's okay, well, a bunch of the Eternals are captured, so we need to free them. And also, Earth is still threatened, so we need to find a way to make it so that Earth doesn't get blown up. Um, when are we going to get back to the what the actual mechanics of what they were doing before are? Probably never, right? Like, what, what, how would we ever really engage with that in a meaningful way? Eternals 2. I guess, but like... You mean like the, the question of like... How does the universe continue to be seeded from here, right? I don't think we're actually going to address that question. Like I don't making think making a new celestial, right? I don't think yeah. we will, because I, I think Definitely that the either. I think the takeaway um, in the Eternals mind, anyway, um, right, is that like I mean, Cersei thinks this shouldn't happen at all, but I feel like with like Ajax, it was less like, oh, we were always wrong to be doing this, and like Earth is special, right? Which is. The fact that we don't know and that's murky is just another it's another thread left unanswered. Right. And so to me, this movie is a movie that is. um, Worse than the sum of its parts, Mm. like there's parts of it that I really (laughs) like, but those parts don't overcome a lot of the, the, the things about the logic flaws and the, the questions that it doesn't really seem to care to answer or deal with in ways that are meaningful. Like if you told, like, for example, people say um, that civil war handles the, the conflict in a bare bones way. Right. Okay. But it's a Marvel movie. Right. And then also it, it handles it well for itself, for those characters who are dealing with a human conflict that, they started right so they're finishing their own problem that's it that's all it doesn't need to get into geopolitics and all that extra shit because the problem is about them themselves this movie treats itself like it's different from other mcu movies in its presentation right Mm -hmm. and the questions that it's sort of teetering around are large-scale questions that exist beyond the scope of just earth and human problems but it doesn't treat those problems with gravity and that was my biggest problem because i came expecting a movie that was going to cause me to ask questions what is this movie about like underneath the hood what's the lesson what's the theme that humans matter i don't care like i just i was upset that it didn't go further and i felt like that in every single possible way i don't think there's anything this movie does that it couldn't have done better yeah yeah i i I would definitely agree with that um and i think that's that's what's ultimately so interesting about it you know is i think the reason that like it's 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 fun to talk about is that like i i don't think that it's as simple as being like it's bad or it's good right like it's a deeply flawed movie uh but it's not without merit and i think that you know, we didn't really even like get into a lot of the like cinematography and then like some of those oh, we, things. We, we still will. And like those things are all interesting because they're way different, right? Like it, it, this heavily moves away from the house style in a lot of ways. Um, they used real locations. Ooh. I mean, we've done that before, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> no, I'll do it again. It's certainly uh, not the Loki green screen uh, running through the city thing. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, 
it's it's a it's a camel of a movie. Like it's very like it's peaks and valleys. It's weird. It's the camel. It's like a, a camel is a horse made by committee. It's it's an idiom. Um, Kale made a face. That's why. Would you call me? You're an idiot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, that's the thing is I. I think this movie is like the most complicated feelings I have about any MCU movie because so many of the things that are good about it are also the things that are bad about it, <laughs> which is just weird. And for every good thing, there's like one or two things that are like, oh, shit, that could have been better. Um, yeah, it's got real rough edges, but you can see how like there are things you could sand down and make it more palatable and better. And it's like. That is one of the things that I was most concerned about going into this movie was like, is this going to suck so bad that they then like from now on, we're like, what do we do with these characters who now hang over the MCU? I don't feel like it's that much of a problem. Like, I think there's room to fix a lot of the issues we have with them as a unit as they appear in more movies, right? We'll know them better when we've seen more of them in theory. Does that make a good thing, though? I didn't argue that. Well, I'm asking. No, I mean, I don't think that that makes this better, but it makes the implications of the things that are bad about this less bad long term, I think. I don't know. I mean, I think that's fair to say in a grander scale. I don't think yeah. that's a judgment of the quality of this movie. No. Just that the implications of it are are potentially better than what we got here. Yeah, and I think that's ultimately the... The thing is, like, none of what I'm saying there is to uh, make excuses for this movie. It's more like, I think the fact that, like, we walked away being like, oh, yeah, I like some of these characters. I would have liked more of them. Or, like, this was a missed opportunity and, like, I would be great to, to get more of this or more of that. Excluding the characters who were killed off, which none of them are that essential. Um we have that opportunity moving forward, right? To flesh these characters out and give them more room to breathe. Cause the next movie doesn't have to explain what they are. We got to get through a few things, but this is running long. So I want to just kind of quickly hit on a few things. First of all, we never talked about crow, the eternal who becomes intelligent and evolves and stuff like that. The deviant, the deviant. Sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, that was Mm, not good that was the worst mcu villain in a long time i think that the only thing that i the only excuse i'll make for it and it's not it doesn't mean the execution was good i think presenting the deviants as the faux villain to then have icarus be the real villain i like that choice i thought that was cool it subverted my expectations that was the kind of thing i liked about this movie where it would be like hey you've seen 26 25 mcu movies before this you know where this thing's gonna go right and then it was like oh no hey like this is a zag and that was good why did we have to make that character be intelligent then? Why couldn't they have just been the monsters and been like, this is the real threat. Oh, JK, it's it's this other bigger thing. That would work better. We don't need one that talks and is like, you're murderers and you're not heroes. And like, that doesn't go anywhere. It never gets resolved. It's just like, oh, okay, we killed him. And uh, I think to, to that, I agree that it's an effective tool to get us to the Icarus heel turn there but like otherwise i didn't i didn't think the designs were all that mm. inspired it, they felt very cookie cutter you remember in um 
the the Shazam movie, like all of the seven the ghost whatever monsters. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, oh, that, that that's sense. yeah, that's like the level of thought that they put into these guys as villains, and you know, make it interesting for us the viewer to make it feel like they're the real baddies because i never got the sense that they were all too powerful it, it it made it feel like icarus could have very well have been tony stark coming down with his like blasters and fucking shit up that way um or gilgamesh was you know hulk uh angelina jolie's Athena was gonna be like a, a more souped up cap or something you know like i, I didn't think that these I don't think it gave me a good understanding of their power sets either because the villains were so generic and it felt like uh, they didn't they didn't have consequence like yeah they fought them that was the history that we were told but are they all that like powerful what's what's the yeah. the connection there Marco needed a scene with a scanner where they're like oh their power levels it's over 9000 well in the comics, the deviants are the, the existence of the deviants is kind of like a condemnation of the celestials. It's a representative of their it's representative of their failure. Mm-hmm. And that's clear. The movie doesn't really make that point. And Crow could have. Crow could have said, you know, we never wanted this. Like we never, we didn't choose this. You made us this way. And so whatever we do now is your fault, you know, and the Eternals could have had to wrestle with the fact that, hey, they're kind of right about that. And everybody likes villains who are kind of right, but they didn't they didn't try. They didn't care. Um, also, I agree with Marco. The Celestials powers or the Eternals powers were super lame and not not very diverse. Like you, Macari has a cool power. Icarus has a cool power. I would say uh, Cersei has like a cool power, but everybody else's power is just like, ah, we've seen this. Like Dude, this King is Go just like pew, pew. Man. That was, oh my God, that was weak. Some Yu Yu Hakusho shit. Yeah. And Gilgamesh just makes like a fist and it was... <sighs> sure. There are other characters like Iron Fist is just, he's just got that one punch, but he's a fine. Human. Yeah, he yeah. These are these were created by, you know, all powerful beings and all they could think was, yeah, you're going to punch really hard, dude. Not the best. Um the fight scenes with the deviants I thought were pretty lame for the most part. It's just Icarus just kind of blasting them. I feel like he could have killed every deviant by himself, which is why in the comics when they fight the deviants, they fight a lot of them. Um not just two. And uh, the fights, but the fights against Icarus, I thought were all pretty cool. And seeing Angelina Jolie uh, beat down uh, Crow was pretty cool. Dude, that, yeah, the scene where uh, where she just chopped his head in half, like that got a pop in my theater. That was the only moment in the whole movie that got a pop. Yeah, from really. Me, from my theater. Yeah. yeah I, I liked how it, it, did anyone else get a weird vibe that they were like sexualizing that? in capture and stuff marco like, we don't they, need to hear about your browser history no because <laughs> like they like the the the, the camera work focuses like on her her um, bound like, hands yeah no i know you're you're playing your cards a lot no, here right now pal no, no, no. but then like he the the scene gets really slow and then the, he starts to like come in like on like into her face with his tentacles no 
He starts to come into her face. No, All right, you walked into that. No. That's yours. We're just gonna. We're just with gonna this get he- with this Jesus heavy, Christ. with like this heavy, weird breathing. Look, I can, I, there's a degree. I don't know what you're saying, but I do think they were trying <laughs> to. Um, uh, initiate like intimacy between Crow and uh, Fina by. If I'm not mistaken, his voice was Gilgamesh's. Yes. Yes. So he yeah, was. Yeah. yeah. So he was using what he had of Gilgamesh to uh, let her off guard. So yes. I think. Yeah, I think there's an intimacy level there that, yeah, could be, you know, uh, 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 assumed. Um, but it was deliberate. Get, yeah. Before you get into all your tentacle okay. porn. Yeah. <laughs> um. Also, I want to say that I despised the references to Batman and Superman. I don't think that has and a place. Star Wars. And yeah, like don't do that. In my opinion, there's a Batman, Batman and Superman shouldn't be referenced in Marvel movies. I'm just, I don't yeah. think that's cute or clever. I don't care about the Star Wars thing. That's fine. But yeah, the Batman. Yeah, they're owned by the same company. No, it's just who gives a shit. It's a movie in our world. Like, that's fine. Batman and Superman are like, you know, that's the opposition's characters. Like, it just feels very like heavy handed, I think. Yeah. Which, which was the Batman one? I don't remember, but they, I know they just it was name there. drop Batman. I forget yeah. what it is. The yeah. Superman one is very he's like, You're Superman, Icarus. Yeah, you're Clark Kent. Yeah. Yeah. You got the the cape. Yeah, he's like, oh, I don't wear a cape. Yeah, that's right. Very, very. Lame. That just felt accent. that felt heavy handed. Yeah, I think. Um, and is there anything else we didn't talk about? I feel like, well, the cinematography. I think this was a a great looking movie for the most part, but it didn't look like an MCU movie. A lot of people complain about the house style. I don't. I don't have a problem with it. This movie looked like it had more in common with like a, you know, whether you like it or not, a DC movie. Um, palette wise for sure yeah mm-hmm. co- color wise it was a kind of a darker movie um, and again that helped to bring a tone to this that um, again made it feel less life uh, like it had less life to it mm-hmm. yeah. and then when you have certain acting choices certain character choices it all kind of blends into feeling like a like a movie that doesn't have a lot of soul well and then even in the places that did places like um uh, the the Bollywood scene that's a film set. Yeah. So that life isn't real anyway, which I, I guess to a degree, you know, is symbolic of whatever, but like it didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Um I I I like a lot of the deviations from the house style, but I I don't I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think it's one of those, it's a double-edged sword because it it's a breath of fresh air because of the ways in which it, de- de- um, what's the word I'm looking for? Deviates. Deviates, thank you, yeah, from the house style. But like, I don't think it knows what it wants to do enough for that to always be effective. Can you, yep. and, and this isn't a judgment question, I'm, I'm genuinely curious, can you guys tell me what, uh, in, in places where you saw it deviate from the house style? One of the scenes I remembered, uh, there's a few. Um, one that stuck out to me is, 
I don't know if it's the first time they go to Ajax's place or later, but there's like a really great shot of it's real far away and the house is backlit and like you can't really see the house because it's black but you can kind of see like the lights and everything like it's just a very wide quiet like open shot that I feel like you would see in a more traditional film rather than like an establishing shot in an MCU movie um, where a lot of times those those are like it's a sweeping panoramic view over a city to show you that that's where we are now and like there are more intimate, quiet moments like that. Um, that I mean, I'm, I'm I could probably come up with a few more and rattle them off, but that's one that stuck out to me immediately. Where I remember seeing that and being like, "Oh, this is actually a really beautiful, creative shot." Like, it, it reminded me a lot of um, the first time I saw Rogue One, where I was like, "Oh, weird! I've never seen a Star Wars movie that wasn't shot like a Star Wars movie." If that makes sense, I. Uh, so like I feel like I didn't feel much of a difference in the way that it was shot I think there were maybe some scenes and even then I like nothing that I could be like this was the differentiator it was just like oh this maybe uh the quiet moments I think were definitely um something that stood out where we would stay on a particular character or scene for a little bit longer without a lot of cuts because that's usually something that they do is like you get cuts across pretty quick to convey storytelling. Um, and then I, the only other deviation was honestly for me, like the sex scene. But um, otherwise, I felt like this was pretty close to what we'll typically see. Maybe the colors were a bit bluer uh, compared to something like Civil War. Mm. But um, there's some, you don't think there's... this was a darker movie. Yeah, it's definitely darker, and I feel like there's a yeah. lot of palettes that are different. I, I don't, I don't know that that's fair because there's like the the scenes out in the desert and stuff like that. Like it's like a very like, it's muted. Like it, it's got a, mm. it's got like a very like, I don't know. Like it's it's hard to describe because like I think like the house style of of Marvel like it changes a bit, but it's always like it's bright, it's bombastic, it's like Saturday morning cartoon type like pop. And I feel like this feels way more like I've I, I feel like the that only happens for me, I think, in like uh, a Thor movie, Ragnarok, like a Thor or in the Guardians of the Galaxy. I think otherwise, Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange yeah, but I, otherwise, uh, maybe like a more down to earth characters. <laughs> Is there like, one color in Doctor Strange? But there's orange. Well, I'm not getting well, like, into this with you right like, now. <laughs> What? There's entire what? sequences of him flying through rainbows, like technicolor backgrounds and stuff. But whatever. <laughs> Maybe we watch a different movie. I don't know. No, did, you just don't fucking remember anything. Did you watch the movie? Yeah, Doctor Strange. Maybe yeah. that's the difference. Probably not. There you go. Uh, we we really gotta gotta get going here. Um, I want to talk about the end credits. There's two end credit scenes. Yes. Um, one of them that introduces us to. Uh, Harry Styles as Star Fox, the brother of Thanos. Is it Star um, Fox or Sky Fox? Sky Fox. Star Fox. Fox. Sky Fox Star is Fox. from that other one. That's uh, yep. Uh, Sorry, Jupiter's Legacy. Yep. Thank you. Also known as uh, Eros, um, yep. and then he is accompanied by Pip the Troll, played by Patton Oswalt. Uh, wow. I thought this was fun. I almost wish this had happened in the movie, and that yeah. um, Star Fox had been in it. I feel like his charisma was pretty evident and this movie did not have a charismatic lead so it, yeah like he <laughs> he comes on and i'm like oh shit this is great let's, I know, let's do right? this yeah i was like can and, i get more of harry styles please I like right this. i like this 
I don't even know. I don't know who that is. I have no clue who Harry Styles is. I just know that as soon as he got in the movie, I was like, oh, yeah, let's go. This is fun. Yeah. Um, and in my theater, there were several people who knew who he was. So that was pretty cool. Um, it's always nice when the the other people in, in yeah. the theater are aware of what's going on. Um, so that was fine. And then uh, we also got a scene with uh, Dane Whitman where he opens up the this box or whatever that holds a sacred blade and he can hear things. And when he touches it, uh, he hears a voice or as he's about to touch it or whatever, he hears a voice that says, um, are you ready for this or something like, he's like that? I think he says, are you sure you're ready for this? Are you sure you want to do that? Something like that. Right yeah. now. Do you all know who that was? I did. Yes. Yep. You already knew. No, I didn't know beforehand, yes. but what happened was as soon as it happened, I was like, I recognize that voice. What is that voice? And I, I thought about it and I was like, Oh, was that Marshall Ali? And looked it up and was like, "Yes, it's Marshall Ali." <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I just saw the Polygon headline. I got spoiled. Yes, I got spoiled. Oh, I did not. So I, I did knew, not know yeah. that was going to happen. I, I, yeah, it, I got it just as I was googling. Are, are there how many credit scenes are there? And it's like two in the second one. Marshall <laughs> Ali's voice is heard. I'm like, oh fuck, that's Wonderful funny. Thanks. I Googled uh, that and then didn't click on the article. So I guess I saved myself the spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I didn't see it till today, but I went, oh, okay, cool. Don't have to click that. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so you didn't know when it happened. No, I didn't. Saying. No. Yeah. I thought that these were both perfectly good post credit scenes. Yeah. Uh, you know, the mid one was fun and it kind of hypes you up for maybe seeing him in a future Eternals movie. And then, of course, we we're all waiting impatiently for Blade. So getting that tease of that character officially was super cool. Makes me um, wonder if he's going to show up in a movie before Blade. Probably, right? Like, hope it's Morbius. I hope he kills Jared Leto. Fuck. I would be I would, very pleased with that. Bro, I'll, I'll buy a fucking thousand. I'll put myself in debt to watch <laughs> fucking Marshall <laughs> Ali kill Jared Leto's Morbius. Please. <laughs> Yo, is there a vampire war event or some shit? I didn't like, say Morbius. In comics? You're right, Kale. I'll pay twice really? as much. <laughs> bro, what if that's what that is? They set up Morbius in Sony so that way Mahershala Ali can go and squash the dude. Frankly, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if this was setting up some sort of like Midnight Suns type mm -hmm. of uh, team going forward down the road. Oh my god! Just establishing that. That would be there. fucking cool as hell. I would love yeah. for them to establish more superhero teams that are not Avengers level. You know? Yeah. I feel Agreed. like that's a real missed opportunity. Like, Agreed. What's the? There's like a British group. That's like that. It's like it's like a play on MI6 or something like that, right? The yeah, oh god, the union, right? Something like Isn't that. It, yeah, I don't know. The, but like maybe this is that's what they're like they're in England, right? Like they're all Oh, wait, you're not talking about you're not talking about um the Captain Britain corpse, right? No, no, no. There's okay. like another it's like I I'm I there's a British superhero like government agency group that I remember reading about that I think both Blade and Black Knight were members of at I don't know at the same time but I I and it's like a you know it's like a shield kind of equivalent or something like that I think where they have like yeah. a superhero team that's like a task force I feel like you're talking about the union 
with Union Jack and different people like that, but uh, maybe not. In any event, I agree with your general statement, which is that it'd be cool to have more teams that aren't necessarily Avengers level teams, which is why the Defenders were so cool. Um, except that the show sucked. But in theory, it was really cool. Right. <laughs> all in all, clearly, uh, Eternals has been a divisive movie. Uh, I think that you should probably go and make up your own mind. But the reality is that I think most people will probably come away from this not too, too happy with it. I am happy to see that Rotten Tomatoes has not suffered from review bombing because you'll notice none of our criticisms involve, you know, we didn't even talk about the the gay, the, the kiss um, between Fast. Yeah, and his I mean, husband, it's like our first openly which, gay hero. Right. Uh, which who cares? You know, like that's well, great. It's going to be edited for China. So it's not. No, it's been banned. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's banned. It's banned in a few places, actually, because from what I read, Marvel's refusing to make those edits. Good. Good. They should not make those edits. I think that, um, you know, that for me, that's an example of representation that makes perfect sense. And you don't have to um, explain why he would be gay or whatever. He just is. And that's it. Who cares? Or maybe he's not you know maybe he's not exclusively gay yeah he could be That's bi or pansexual right or whatever yeah I, d- I don't know i don't even care you've been alive seven thousand years you better diversify um <laughs> it's just anything you're into whatever that happens to be is gonna get old like you gotta switch it up um or maybe he's always been this way i don't know i don't care it's great that it's there um go see it make up your own mind we gave you our ratings anybody want to change their rating I stand by it. I think it's I think it's solidly in that it's average. It's middle of the pack where these things are concerned. Okay. If you're sick of the house style, I think you might um, find it refreshing at the very least. Yeah. So that is the Comics Pals final word for now on the Eternals. Hopefully you enjoyed our review. Uh, thankfully, our review was not as long as the movie. It was not, in fact, eternal. Uh Go listen to our main show, The Comics Pals, where we talk about all the characters you love and all the places you can find them. Over there, we talked about two upcoming Marvel movies, Morbius and Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. So check that out. If you read comics, listen to our reviews of comics. We do Image every single Wednesday and then Marvel, DC, everything else on Thursday if you're into that kind of thing. And if you like these creators check out our reviews or our interviews rather with them from New York Comic Con 2021. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, we are the Comics Pals, eternally yours, signing off. Take care, guys. See you next time. Rightfully yours. 